0: Nice. Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowy um, here in my basement. Um, roommates teaching piano lessons upstairs so uh, we may do down here. Uh, and uh, I've got my good friend in the house. Uh, his name is Dan Heft. Uh, he de- I said that right this time right?
1: No, it's Hafed. It's Hafed. We've Fuck. known each other for so long. Fuck. Damn. That's all good. It's Damn. German and it's O-E, so it looks like ho, Sure. but it's pronounced Hafed. Well, I feel like, yeah, I imagine you run into that a lot, like
0: people... Oh, all the time. Yeah. I just go with it. For sure. Yeah. Well, uh, Dan Haft is, is in the house. Uh, he's a friend of mine that I've known since my junior year of college, and uh, he, uh, we had our Arab-Israeli conflict class together. Yeah, uh, that's how we initially came into contact, but we bonded over, you know, um, music a lot and politics and uh, just all around good guy. He uh, works at the Stone Creek Coffee uh, down in the eighty-eight nine building. Yeah. Um. So, I
1: want to welcome Dan to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, I mean, we could have an episode about Arab-Israeli conflict, but that would be we could. probably a long. Right. A longer episode yeah, but, yeah yeah because it's it's a lot to unpack and yeah.
0: I uh I do I feel like I do that enough on the show with uh, other guests which is fine you yeah know, I, it's a topic that has uh come up on the on the show but uh I encourage everyone to take the class if they go to school EWO I agree
1: it's a, it's an important topic to take a class on yeah and even just learning more about it on your own um yeah. and yeah it's a definitely an interesting topic yeah yeah for sure well uh, we've got some yerba mate yeah uh, shout out uh joey flamanowitz and charlie springman two of my friends work for Guayaquil and uh hooked it up with some mate oh uh-huh, yeah um so Sweet. that's i think rebel berry this is yeah. enlightenment i'm a big fan of the mint one but oh, very nice. a lot of caffeine and uh Guayaki's a environmentally conscious company they do a lot of work um, preserving the Amazon rainforest oh really um, awesome. yeah and I'm sure that they'll be on campus and in Milwaukee this summer sure or now fall I guess oh yeah right, right. yeah well cheers dude yeah cheers Damn, man thanks for
0: bringing these that mm-hmm.
1: is good um, that is very tasty and, but they do a lot of preservation uh, focusing on like replanting and sustaining um, Amazon rainforest oh, shoot, yeah. yeah it also says shake gently serve chilled do not serve to pregnant, breastfeeding women. I see. Because uh, it's a lot of caffeine. Oh right. Yeah. Um, sure. Well, but, we're, we're about to be wired, yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs>
0: yeah. We got got another one in the chamber too. Yeah. Uh, but it says, yeah. How's it? Guai Key. Gwai-Ki. mission is to steward and restore 200,000 acres of rainforest and create over a thousand living wage jobs.
1: Yeah, which is yeah. great. But uh, on the topic of caffeine, yeah, you're a big coffee drinker. Quite. Uh, how do you like your coffee? Um So
0: I have evolved uh like over time with my uh iteration of coffee. Um but I drink it like with uh I have Folgers uh that that the I don't drink. The old Folgers? Yeah, the Folgers. Yeah. Uh but I usually just take it with a about an inch of milk. Uh, I prefer almond milk, but 2% is fine too, um, I I mean, I can drink it black, but I just, usually like, I just need something to cool it down,
1: it's not even about the flavor, it's just so hot, it, you know? You're reading my mind, this is like, my whole concept, like, I love black coffee and I love doing different, like, methods, Aeropress, V60, Chemex, um, drinking it black, but... Uh, in the morning, if I'm rushing somewhere, I'll make a V60 mm-hmm. um, and I want to drink it right away. If I put it in one of the insulated yeah. mugs, yeah. I have to pre game it with some milk. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. it's going to be too hot. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, I'm just li- yeah. letting it sit for like 10 minutes and I'm like, okay, like,
1: I need to wake the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? What is uh, your opinion on oat milk? Overrated? Underrated? Uh. Uh. I don't know. I oat
0: milk as opposed to like almond milk? Yeah, What what is your- I can't say I've actually
1: really had oat milk, to you, be honest. You gotta try it. Is it. You gotta try okay. Oatly oat milk. There's sure. Pacific brand, and it's kind of like the Schnickel fritz okay. of uh, oat milk, but it's really good, big fan of it, and hot lattes, oat. iced is a little weird. Is that a like a Stone Creek you have it? We don't have, we have Pacific brand, um, but like I think Kickapoo has Oatly, and then there's a new place that opened up called Canary. Oh wow. Well. Uh, down in downtown and I think they have it there as well okay. but cool. yeah
0: well that's good how do you, so uh do you take your coffee similarly then like
1: I'll pretty much just take what I can get yeah uh, espresso is great um just like black coffee is fine if I don't have creamer to like cool it down yeah um but like a traditional cap mm-hmm. one shot of espresso five ounces of milk for me is the perfect ratio oh that oh well yeah you've got the the exact uh, proportions down
0: and everything well yeah it's well like you're the barista so <laughs> you also
1: were a barista i was yeah but
0: um but not anymore um i work at company brewing now but when i was a barista like i was um sort of also like a take you take what i can get sort of guy like i i prefer like having a full like cup of coffee because it's just a Comfortability I have with it because I've just been drinking a cup of coffee in the morning for so long. Mm-hmm. But like when I was working at Starbucks, I was you know uh, pulling shots of espresso all shift, and yeah. I was you know like that's that was like me getting like the actual like espresso fix in me, which is a whole different level of like caffeine fix. But um, but like I don't know, I did like I never put just sugar. In it anymore I Uh, never use like Sweetener I never I never like I used to do that When I was younger But I I don't
1: It's got a certain sweetness That kind of offsets The bitterness I'm looking for Mm -hmm. I don't really know What to compare to Because it's like At least now A taboo Of just like The taste I'm looking for Yeah 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 yeah. I um Yeah
0: but I mean every once in a while I'll go for like You know A really like Sugary espresso drink Like You know like uh, especially, like, this time of year, you know, the festive pumpkin spice shit and, like, Christmas, like, a peppermint milk is always good. But but I usually, like, I just, I'm fine with a uh, cup of coffee with uh, about an inch of milk, uh, preferably almond milk,
1: but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. How much coffee do you drink a day? Oh, just, like, one cup. Wow. After working in coffee for so long, it's, like... Even if I'm opening or something, it's like I'll have one probably like four or five hours into my shift just because um, I don't want like that crash and burn. Yeah. I want to be able to do stuff after work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at night, I try to cool it down, but this is um, definitely... It's bad I'm already done. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but
0: um, I, I feel that. The, the crash and burn is, is like the hell of of your, of a caffeine ad- addiction, like, I'm at three cups a day or so, but I've, like, I, like, sometimes I only drink two, um, like, usually I just drink two cups in the morning, and some like, and I won't have any for the rest of the day, but if I'm, like, really busy, like, if I have to go to work, I usually need another cup to, like, pick me back up and get me, like,
1: in like my zone, so I'll have that around three or four yeah. p.m. But it's interesting yeah. for like I mean, uh Jonathan Brostoff I think was on the show. Shout out, John. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out, JB. Yes. Uh, we love Jonathan Brostoff. We love uh, JB, but uh, he he yeah. doesn't run on any caffeine, mm. and uh, he's probably the busiest person I know, always in the community, which is great. Yeah, he does and,
0: wonderful workout. Like uh, he's. He does wonderful like solidarity work, which I really admire him a lot.
1: And thank you for hooking that up, getting him, getting me in contact with him. Oh, I mean, he's he's always down to do stuff in the community, yeah. and uh, I'm sure it's not the last time that you'll see him. I, yeah, right. Maybe you'll see him on the other end because he does uh, state rep in on uh, the River West page, and they're always looking for people uh-huh. um, to interview and talk to in the community. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he requested
0: coconut water, but I got him the wrong. I got him the right brand, the Foco. But it was like some other weird fruit drink. It wasn't the coconut water, and he oh. he didn't fuck with it. So like, really? I, no. So I drank his too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? But, societally has like uh, made us so like ha- has it ensured such a caffeine dependence? You know, like why do you think everyone is just so rigged on caffeine all the time?
1: I think well, it's partially how. The U.S. looks at a work week, uh, and then I think partially maybe it's self uh, awareness of what people want to get done and mm-hmm. what they think they need to get done. Like I don't think the 40-hour work week exists anymore. Right. I think uh, a lot of people are putting in more time because uh, an eight-to-five is no longer cutting it. Right? Yeah. Like you need to put in more hours if you want to get somewhere in your career. Or you're told that yeah. and. Uh, I mean alive and well right now, you are working at a company, you're doing the show, right, Yeah. Um, but that's another thing, trading yeah. off passion between like, making a living, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, I've done a couple unpaid internships, and that's one thing that I'm very passionate about is the trade-off between having to do unpaid work as experience and being able to afford rent. Like, right. where does that trade-off exist? I don't think experience really pays the bills. Yeah. And, uh, These days it doesn't at least, at least not
0: not as much as it should.
1: Yeah, and the requirements from uh, the federal government on what an unpaid internship can be is that the person receiving the internship is gaining more experience than the company is profiting off their Mm -hmm. work. And uh, it's a very lucrative way of measuring what the trade-off is. Yeah, so in turn... So uh, how does that relate back to how much coffee we're all drinking? Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, if you're working an unpaid internship, let's say 10 hours a week, you go to school full-time, uh, and then you have a part-time job, I think that coffee plays an important role. Yeah, right. So maybe one cup, like how you were saying, like yeah. one cup in the morning, one in the afternoon. Right. Um, I think it's a lot of the overstimulation we feel these days, like, I mean, as, as
0: the... <clears throat> the influx of, like, you know, technology and just, like, how big our population has expanded, like, you know, over many, like, periods of time, like, everyone's in more and more of a hurry. Yeah. Um, And I think that that makes us just, like, you know, we run out of steam a lot more easily. um, Because, you know... Back way back when, like, before, you know, in ancient
1: civilizations, like, people were living very nomadically. They were, like... Were they living in FOMO? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, without social media, right? Yeah. Are they, like, seeing what's going on right. around them and feeling that, too? Right. And they were just a lot more, like,
0: um, like, self-sustaining. Like, they had to find resources to survive on, and, like, now it's, like, we have such dependencies on things that... Are so like readily available to us And what's what's so accessible to mm-hmm. us And like coffee is something I mean it's everywhere you know like it's It can be in your kitchen Like you have a coffee pot or a Keurig Yeah uh, Fuck Keurig though um, <laughs> Shit coffee um, But you know there's Even take River West for example There's so many coffee shops here There's Fuel, there's Colectivo. There's um, Many there's like Bremen Cafe yeah. There's you know there's uh A lot of bars and restaurants around here also serve coffee, too. Like, coffee is just, like, you can get it so many places around here. And I think that, like, because, like, everyone is just in a hurry so much all the time, like, it makes us that much more, like, easily burnt out and tired and just emotionally overwhelmed. Yeah. And the coffee is just, like, it's so, it's become such a profitable industry because you know it's because so many people just depend
1: on something that's gonna kick them back up into keeping up with everything you know yeah but on the flip side of that i also think there are some perks to (coughs) the reliance on coffee and uh like the industry itself like i think that coffee is a good common point like you're able to say hey let's meet for coffee yeah it's a social catalyst yeah 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 and uh even if it's not coffee, it's tea, decaf tea. Yeah, right. Um, just stuff like that. So it's Yerba Mate. Yeah, Yerba Mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. Sure, yeah.
0: Um I I've, I've heard that, you know, how coffee's like such a big thing in Seattle. Yeah. Like with Starbucks headquarters and everything. Like I heard that the reason for that is because um because like it rains so much there and people as a result, like I guess like this like a uh, there's a study that, like, when it rains or when it's, you know, when there's not as much sun, people just get more tired and lethargic. So, like, they're replacing that, that, um, they're replacing, like, the, the sun light that they're not getting as much, that vitamin D or whatever. Like, yeah, they're,
1: uh, replacing that with caffeine. And I think also a lot of it has to do with what can you do for your free time? Mm-hmm. Um, can you go in a park and work? On something on your computer or if it's raining are you gonna go to an indoor space where they have Wi-Fi like uh, I was in San Francisco last week and I was lucky because the weather was great Mm -hmm. Uh, but one thing that just amazed me is I went to this place called Dolores Park with a couple friends and there's no music going on there's no event there it's literally just a park with a thousand people hanging out just Mm -hmm. enjoying outside and I think that's one of the benefits of living on the West Coast where In the midwest coast um it's a little harder to find things to do in winter yeah Yeah. exactly yeah and i think yeah coffee is a good way uh to like find a meeting point but Mm -hmm. in the midwest besides getting coffee um and going to like your local drinking establishment are there (laughs) these other places that you can go right um yeah that's super valid and i think that uh i can't think of what it's called but it just opened on the east side um it's like a it is a bar, but it also has like adult games, like it has like a uh, adult foosball. um It's not a punch bowl oh, social, is it? No, it's called Hangout Milwaukee. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, and that's a cool alternative. Oh um, yeah, yeah, totally. Or like things to do as well. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well,
0: I'll check that one out. I didn't know that. Do you know where it is?
1: Yeah, it's uh on Farwell, right by where Farwell oh, and cool. Brady meet. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Oh, they've got up down over there too like um there are some really fun like uh just like like adult fun things to do on the east side these days like the the axe bar the the cat cafe yeah the true. underground like like the nine below like i under, haven't been there but I, I, heard I haven't heard either cool yeah. Things, yeah yeah right the underground like golf course mini golf uh yeah, no, I mean, there's some, there's some uh, happening things out here in, on the east side. but Yeah,
1: um, and there's, I mean, all over Milwaukee, the DNC is coming in 2020. Yes, correct. Uh, so get ready for the worst four days of traffic of oh, your life yeah. next oh, yeah. year.
0: But it's putting, up, putting us on the map, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, and uh, Tom Barrett is yeah. r- running on that, that it's putting Milwaukee on the totally. map. Um, I believe Lena Taylor, who's a state senator, is actually mm-hmm. going to challenge him in the mayoral election in 2020, oh, so. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just saw that, uh, that got announced the other day, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. and it'll be interesting, I think Tony Zielinski is running too, um, mm-hmm. he's from Bayview, but there's a lot of stuff going on in 2020, and I don't know if you can see my pin on here, but I am a Elizabeth well, Warren supporter. Yeah, man. I'm all in. Um, have you looked into 2020 at sure. all, you kind of... Uh, yeah, so, I uh, glad we're, yeah, I... You're the you're the guy to talk
0: politics with because I think that I'm just starting to really pay attention more. Um, I watched the first Democratic debate. I did not get a chance to see the second one, um, but I have been I've been paying attention. I've been trying to get to know the candidates more personally and just more like mm-hmm. in depth. And um, I'm not there's still a lot I'm not. Totally polished on, uh, largely because there's just so many people on the stage still right now. But yeah. right now, my top three candidates that I support are Bernie, Warren, and
1: Buttigieg. Okay. Um, those are my top three. And I think, well, we still have about 2,000 candidates, right? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's like going to a restaurant and being overwhelmed by a menu. Like, there are a lot of good options, but which one's the best? Right. And I think... You have to read about all the
0: ingredients
1: and all of them to see what tastes best. Yeah. And where they're processed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's going on with that? But I think, um, I mean, in the next month or so, we'll see a couple more people drop out. And it'll really... Um, open up for the candidates who maybe haven't had a platform or, like, haven't been able to get as much press time because of so many candidates. So we'll see. But
0: a big thing I'm passionate about is, like, voter turnout and this, the, that people are actually, like, you know, like, uh, exercising their right that, you know, many people you know, fought for, fought for our freedom to do so to democratically elect our politicians, and like when people don't vote um, it's essentially like, you
1: know A, like they don't have a right to complain. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do, like when I go and vote, I think of my friends and family around me, specifically my mom who went through Act 10 under Walker because I mean, he was, that was during his first term Um, and thought that she was going to lose her job, right? Like, I vote for her because she gave up her voice so I could speak. Um, That was right around the time that my dad had passed away and she was so nervous to lose her job, she didn't go up to protest or anything. Um, She was nervous because it was my sister and I and she was a newly single parent, so Mm -hmm. when I think of voting, I think of making sure that I'm voting for a candidate that supports women, people of color, communities that have been disenfranchised, and um, I think that part of the conversation too is that we need to talk with people who say that they don't vote because they don't think their vote matters and talk with them about the community around them because right. more often than not someone in their community is negatively affected by the current administration uh, more, o- yeah, more often than not like yeah. pretty much everyone uh, for example my sister's boyfriend is a soybean farmer okay. uh, he does some carpentry on the side but he's been the last two years, been getting hit hard because of um, the trade war with China and the tariffs. So he's um, been struggling with doing, like, selling to the middleman um, Mm -hmm. who does ship it over. So, I mean, even that, like, you can see what a current administration is doing and try to apply it back and get those people in the voting booth. Yeah, like, kind of piggybacking off everything you're saying,
0: like, people don't vote for either of two reasons. Like, A, is that they just don't even, like, they just don't understand, like, the impact of their decision not to vote, that, like, you know, you might not believe that your life is going to directly, like, change, like, depend, like whether or not you make a decision to vote, um, but, you know, whether you directly, whether your own life directly or indirectly does change as a result of the election, mm-hmm. like, There's many people like your sister's boyfriend um, who do have, like, you know, real outcomes based on who is in office making executive Mm -hmm. decisions. So, like, you know, um, so like they don't people just don't really understand, like, just how they don't fathom the importance of it. And also the second reason is that um, that and this was especially apparent in the 2016 election, was how you know people don't believe in like, picking the lesser of two evils. They don't want to pick their poison and they don't want to like, they just felt very disillusioned Mm -hmm. by who their choices were, which were, you know a lot of people weren't happy to vote for either Hillary or Trump I voted for Hillary, I wasn't particularly happy or excited about, and like it was our also our first uh election to be able to vote in legally yeah. so like you know no one was really like i mean there were there were hillary supporters that were excited obviously but many people really wanted bernie to win and, and it yeah. didn't that was uh that's a whole nother conversation right. yeah, too, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. democratic party um, yeah the whole dnc shit like i i think that and that's another thing is that people just feel very like discouraged when a candidate that they don't feel is representative of their values is representing the
1: party that they have identified with and i mean in 2018 i think we see the first movement of that with uh, aoc yeah. um she out uh the fourth highest ranking dem member who maybe would have become um the house chair mm-hmm. and she did that because she was on the ground, she was talking to people in the community, and she was seeing what's at stake and what their problems were. Uh, I think in 2016 there wasn't a lot of groundwork done in Wisconsin that could have been done. I think we're seeing more people now getting energized, especially organizations who are registering people to vote, like Black Leaders Organizing for Communities and Blitz. Uh, um, so I think that now people are seeing like what we can do in Wisconsin. Right. and what issues matter. Uh, right. For and example, like uh, Medicare um, the Medicare expansion for the biannual budget didn't go through uh, Tony Evers can um, get it done in some sense but that's an issue that affects a lot of Wisconsinites. I think 72 percent done by an, a- an AP poll said that 72 percent of Wisconsinites support a Medicare expansion mm-hmm. um, and I think that when Republicans play into that um, they are losing the battle for their constituents, I think it's a value that we all share. That we want better health care for our kids, better health care in our communities. Um, so I'm hoping that the Dems do better, but yeah. the only way that we can make sure is uh, by organizing and right. getting people out to vote.
0: Yes, totally. Um, which is exactly what you're doing. So tell me, um, so tell me. So you're wearing a Warren pin? Yes. Uh, Elizabeth Warren. Um, what so I guess yeah like what uh, really drew you to uh, want to campaign for her because I know like you're working on her campaign and stuff like or getting people you know uh, behind her so yeah like tell me about why you took, why you're choosing her.
1: So I had read her 2017 book This Fight Is Our Fight and I really connected with it with my family background middle class um, one working parents and uh, I think that it's important that people don't strive to be politicians. I think they should work to bring change to their community, whether it's through business, um, the nonprofit sector, or eventually becoming a politician. And she worked most of her life um, as a legal scholar and then realized how big of a problem Wall Street was uh, in not protecting the middle class and expanding the 1%. -hmm. Um, And then in 2007 she had created the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau Um, which works to hold Wall Street accountable. And um, she didn't strive to be a politician. She always wanted to be a teacher, and I have mad respect for teachers. Shout out my mom, public school teacher. Oh, yeah. Um, And all of her policy that she's put out is very thorough. Um, It's trying to work and reform a system that has been played out and let go of by um, the 1% uh, PACs, and super PACs and Mm -hmm. she doesn't donate any, or she doesn't accept any um, PAC or super PAC money. It's all grassroots donations. And I actually found this out, uh, 70% of her first time donations are from people who have never donated to a political campaign before. Oh wow, that's pretty cool actually, wow. She uh, has the largest ground game out of any of the candidates. She's working to make sure that the people um, that are getting their doors knocked on have their voices heard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool because uh, I was having a meeting with some other people on the community team I work with in Milwaukee and we were talking about the Medicare expansion yeah um, and then we were able to connect with someone from her team and talk about putting out a statement together so it shows that like the issues that are affecting the people of Milwaukee and Wisconsin um, she's working to get yeah. towards those and mm-hmm. speak on those yeah. Um, Totally. yeah so I do stuff in Milwaukee, and then I've been working with some teams in Madison and starting some stuff in Kenosha. We're seeing all over the state. So, come April fourth, I think that's the primary date. Uh, sure. Yeah, April fourth, two thousand twenty twenty. Yeah, um, that's like coming up. <laughs> yeah,
0: I've always liked Bernie just because like he has just had an outstanding track record. Yeah, which like for. 40-plus years he's been fighting for social justice and for pushing towards, like, universal health care and pushing for, Mm -hmm. like, you know, holding Wall Street accountable and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I don't think without Sanders we wouldn't be in the conversation of universal health care that we're having. Right, yeah. Like, he has pushed that conversation and taken somewhat of the beating from um, the Republican Party on being, like, the founder of Democratic Socialism in America. Right, Um, yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, I have respect for Bernie, I have respect for Buttigieg, and I think that if we have positive dialogue about Mm -hmm. all the candidates, um, talking about what we like, what we don't like, but not bashing them, that just helps what we're going to be doing on Election Day. Mm -hmm. Um, If we're talking candidates down um, and not talking Trump down, because Trump is by far worse... Yeah. Um, we're um, kind of just ruining like what the momentum is building for the Dem party right yeah yeah the American intervention and imperialism is a very uh, you know
0: it, it's caused much destabilization
1: yeah. and, and I think a lot of that has to do with rebuilding the State Department uh, Elizabeth Warren has put out a plan to put more money into state and yeah. work to build um, diplomat and residents so mm-hmm. um, and foreign service officers um, And I think a lot of that has to play in that we can't be friends or buddy buddy with authoritarian regimes, whether it's um, Trump with Putin, uh, Kim Jong un, the Assad regime. Like, we have to drop a fine line on promoting humanitarian issues, not being imperialistic about enforcing those, but making sure we aren't promoting authoritarian regime agendas. Right. And largely that's just, you know, pushing our own, like,
0: capitalist system forward with like whatever we can you know make or save the most money with you yeah. know like
1: like saudi, I mean, saudi arabia for example yeah. with the oil and everything you know um, yeah i mean what we have seen in venezuela uh mm-hmm. the u.s's approach on that and then um how they're working to solve the humanitarian crisis that's going on there um just goes to show like when Are we acting in our own interest, or are we acting in humanitarian interest?
0: Right, yeah. Yeah.
1: Right, we can't have, like, and that's
0: sort of, like, that's where the term, and, like, this is, you know, definitely been, like, a controversial term, and rightfully so, is, like, that's where, like, the idea of nationalism becomes very problematic, Mm -hmm. because it's like we're looking at this, you know, we view our country in, like, this, um, chauvinistic way uh in relation to other countries and other uh world affairs that our country is the best so therefore like we we only need to like sustain our own interests rather than our rather than the repercussions of our you know foreign relations
1: and everything yeah and I mean, if we're going to talk about our perfect history, we should look back. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, democracy takes time to develop, and we're far from perfect. Um, whenever I think of us boasting about how we're the best country in the world, I think of the um, what it means to be a slave on the 4th of July by Frederick Douglass. Right. Yeah. Um, how evil and heinous that the U.S. has been at points in history. Yeah. Um, and how, I mean, it's a continuous fight for us to be the world police and go around and try to say hey we're perfect you need to do this Uh, Mm -hmm. might not be the right way Uh, we need to listen to the people there what change they want yeah um right it's always been and this is sort of like the whole like uh just
0: i I think a lot of it just comes from like our white privilege is that we only have ever really listened to our own voices rather than those of the disenfranchised yeah Um, that goes for any any marginalized community is like and it's something that we still deal with individually day to day, is that, like, we have always, we as specifically white men, yeah. have always felt our voice is, like, the most important one. We always have opinions on things. We always feel like we're the ones that should be making decisions about things. And, like, we're at a time where that's being undone, like, slowly but surely, you know, especially especially with... Um, our last Congress election, you know, yeah. seeing, you know, like uh, politicians like, you know, AOC and, yeah. and, and o- Ian Omar and Rashida
1: Tlaib, but like, yeah, it's it's not, it's not a pie where if someone gets more pieces of pie, you get less. I mean, or, like, point being, like, we
0: need to hold. I think that, like, we as the U.S., like, yes, there's nothing wrong with being proud of our country, but we have to hold ourselves accountable you know it's like we have to like admit where we have like a stake in the wrongdoing of of different demographics of people or in different Mm -hmm. countries and shit
1: like that so and even on a micro level like us holding each other accountable for like hanging out with people and like seeing uncomfortable situations letting people who are from communities speak up and we take the seed. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people.
0: So speaking on the election, a lot of people um, are already saying, like, I mean, I mean, I'm sure this comes from just a place of like hopelessness or of just not getting their hopes up because of what happened in the last election, where Trump won and just and it just blew a lot of people. like, yeah. it caught a lot of people off guard. Um, people are already saying they think Trump's just going to win,
1: and there's no question. Well there's a couple things that go into that. A lot of people use the argument of electability and when I hear that I think of that is a superficial argument. I think the groundwork that you lay out makes you electable, not the way you look or the place that where you come from. Um, for instance people are one candidate specifically, I think Joe Biden, uh, runs a lot on the fact that in polls it shows that he beats Trump. Um, and that's that's based on his electability, former vice president, um, tenure as a senator, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that's true. I think that Hillary pretty much had all polls showing that she would become president. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it needs to focus more on um, the groundwork that you put in. Like I was saying earlier, like you need to make sure that people are turning out for you and you're listening to their voice. Um, I think Warren's campaign follows a lot of what Obama did mm-hmm. uh, in 2008. He worked on the ground. He had a ton of field offices, um, and he worked to talk to people who are independents and maybe a little farther right to see why they're voting that way and like what he's offering, and I yeah. think that um, taking that approach can ultimately beat Trump. So talking with your neighbors, talking with people in your community, seeing what the problems are, and passing those along too. Yeah. Uh, um, the candidate that's gonna listen right. Yeah, also one thing on that yeah. uh, shout out bird dog nation um, There's this group called bird dog nation, and I don't know if you remember watching the Kavanaugh hearings. I did. Um, again, yeah Do you remember? Uh, the video of Jeff flake in the elevator and a woman was asking him why he was going to vote for Kavanaugh um, He kind of looks like a me, but like was very sad. He ended up not running again I think partially because of that, but bird dog nation. Um, so they hold the, or they work to hold candidates and elected officials accountable. Um, whether it's seeing if people are going to vote for certain bills that are in Congress, um, they have done a lot of work on the opioid crisis, and uh, It's especially a huge thing here. Yeah, and I think that's another reason why we need to talk people into voting, or why it's important, is because that's affecting almost every community. I have lost two friends to um, the opioid crisis over the last four years, and it sucks. Um, so they work to hold yeah, elected officials accountable, and it's cool because yeah. they literally just ask people to come onto their team and go to these places and ask these questions that are hard-hitting and need a yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's, that's another real
0: big thing, is the whole, yeah, the pharmaceutical companies
1: um, I do you watch any John Oliver? I don't. I am not a. <laughs> I try to steer away from uh, political, like com- like comedy. Yeah. I focus. Yeah. I like read the news, like right. AP and New York Times, but. Um,
0: yeah. I, sure. Uh, yeah. Sure. Sure. I I do watch a good amount of John Oliver, but he's done some very like well researched and well, mm-hmm. um, and just you know well commentated pieces on various political issues um, and he did one on the pharmaceutical companies and I'm sure he's done several at this point but I mean and we didn't like not only him but like we also did uh, in my journal one of my journalism classes uh, here at uwM um, I we did like our semester like uh, investigative mm-hmm. piece on the op- opioid crisis and we like talked to um, like, uh, we actually went to, like, a morgue in Milwaukee as a class and talked to somebody who was, like, a mortician that was there that's, like, talking about, like, what they're finding in the bodies of people that have overdosed. And um, it's just so, like, it is it is so sickening how these companies are capitalizing off of the addiction mm-hmm. of people. Yeah. Um, and, like... You know these really highly potent and addictive pills uh, that are, you know, getting people to, that are spiraling people into addiction, dependence. Um, you know those mo- those companies are making shit ton of money off
1: billions of it. dollars. Yeah, billion. Yeah, yeah. that is. Like, and part of that is the private healthcare industry in whole. Um, yeah, because it's a it's a for profit it's, it's right. for profit system. They're going to be working. To make as much profit as possible, um, at the expense of the consumer. So, yeah, yeah. and like I'm—I mean, I'm fortunate. Like I have at Plus,
0: and I'm only, like, um, my copay is a dollar for my medication. But, um, it's—but you know, there's many people
1: I know. Yeah. Like us that don't have that insurance. And uh, I'm allergic to nuts. And I actually had an allergic reaction about a week ago. I had wow. to go to the emergency room. But. Glad, um, Glad you're all right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had one a couple months ago as well. Uh, so, pro tip for myself, I need to be more accountable and make sure I know what I'm eating. But uh, mm. when I went home, I was actually good. I had the allergic reaction. I ran home and I was going to stab myself with my Appy pen. Uh, it was expired so I didn't know if I could use it. I ended up going to the emergency room um, And I was put on a three-month waiting list um, And then per EpiPen right now, it's on the lower end, but it's uh, I think 250 per um, EpiPen you get two per packet. Oh sure. Um, but the company Myran that runs that, uh had slowly increased the price up until, like, 2012, where it was, like, $750. And now it's going down a little bit. But it's ridiculous um, because my insurance doesn't cover that. Yeah. Um, And it's a life-saving medication I need. Right. Um, Well... Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I'm glad
1: you... uh, I'm glad you got that, like, you're okay and everything. Yeah. But What were you going to say? I'm just going to say, on the note of talking about politicians... um, and elected officials. One thing that I do see as a positive thing is that former President Barack Obama puts out his end of summer playlist oh, each year. Does he oh yeah yes, yes he does. I would yeah. definitely recommend checking out. He's got pretty good taste in music. A little too mainstream for me. Oh, it's but, true. Okay. Um doesn't he yeah, like what what has he got on it? Like uh well he had some Anderson pack which was was cool, Cardi B. Oh, wow. um he had hot girl summer. Uh, <laughs> Classic. Yeah I'm thinking Michelle And mm-hmm. him jamming out to it But All Right yeah um, Yeah I wanted to talk a little bit About yeah. music for you Yeah what, of course What are you listening to right now What are you into Sure yeah uh, You yeah, It's you and
0: me We have to get into music yeah. At some point So uh, right now um, Still trying to keep up With uh, recent releases um, I uh, really enjoyed The new Young Thug record Yeah uh, So much fun uh, Really enjoyed The new Brockhampton record As well Yeah um, I I have a list in my phone of like all the discographies I have to listen Mm -hmm. to and like I'm visiting like a lot of more hardcore like experimental shit um, right now and um, I've actually been getting into this band called Boredoms okay they're a Japanese experimental rock band that is some of the weirdest shit that's ever been put out it is so bizarre oh yeah but it's so much fun though it's very addictive it's like you know Captain Beefheart I don't. Okay, it's like the, it was like a, it was like an avant-garde like, um, experimental outfit out from the '60s, sort of in the vein of like Zappa, okay. that kind of stuff. Imagine that if it was made in the '90s. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been listening to Boredoms a lot. Uh, I've been getting into some more hard hardcore punk stuff, uh, industrial mu- industrial music like Daughters. Um, I can't get into Daughters, man. No?
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure that you know oh, yeah. Fantano, and he's yeah. all about Daughters, I can't do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, so, you norm know, for the longest time, like, I wasn't much of, like, a, I liked their newest record because it was more industrial, rather than, like... Some noise-rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm into that stuff. I'm not as much into, like, the, the technical, like, death metal or hardcore punk stuff, like, mm-hmm. that's really fast-paced and rigorous. I'm not as into that stuff, but, you know, I'm a... Uh, I, I'm still, um...
1: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've been listening to a lot of local music from yeah. covering... Yeah, and big shout-out to Ben, because you've oh, been kicking you. ass on the local thank scene, you. and your breaking and entering pieces are great. Thank you. Um, you're helping me stay in the local scene, and... I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. That's about... Yeah, that's about
1: it for me right now. Yeah. What about you? Uh, well, okay, I gotta say, the new Lana Del Rey album is really good. I heard it's um, good. Yeah. Some good songwriting on there, too. Big fan. Venice Bitch. Really good song. It's like <laughs> nine minutes. Okay, oh, wow. Um... Other than that, one of so one of my friends, uh, Duffy, shout out Duffy, uh, introduced me to one of his buddies when we were skating, Pete Freeman. I know Pete Freeman. Yes, and I listened to his Wisconsin Stories album, and I literally have just been listening to that on repeat the last like. Seventy-two hours. Oh, he's great, man. He's, yeah, uh, he's got. I love his voice. He's yeah, got like a really good like country flavored folk voice. And part of that too was that I had gotten super into John Prine this summer. Oh he's yeah, *Orange* by John Prine is pretty good. Um, so definitely trying to get more into songwriting. Um, and I'm trying to think who else. Uh, oh, I was really into this Eldest Harding record. She's out of New Zealand. It's called *Designer*. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is pretty good but I went to Pitchfork, and I saw Bell and Sebastian. Oh, Yeah, and wow. I wasn't really into them, but the album, If You're Feeling Sinister... I love that great. album, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, part of why I, I just love music is that, like, you're able to connect with not even new albums, but old albums, and it yeah. like, brings you to, like, a time in your life or something like that. Oh, yeah,
0: right, and it also makes you think about what was going on at that time when it came out, because... Yeah. Uh, if You're Feeling Sinister came out in 1996, mm-hmm. and, like, I, yeah, like, I, it's just, like, there were so many different, so much things were going on at that point, like...
1: I was being born, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, yes, that same. was the main thing, actually. Yeah, right, yeah. right,
0: that's the main thing that happened that year yeah. uh, in the world. but um, But, like, yeah, in the 90s, it's, like, we think about, like, golden age hip-hop. We think mm-hmm. about you know trip-hop music we think about the grunge movement we think about sort of the the foundation of a lot of the indie rock just yeah. I mean, powerful powerhouse acts like modest mouse came out around that yeah. time too and um neutral milk hotel but yeah not uh, Stereolab.
1: oh yeah they're, well Stereolab played too but we only caught part of their set oh, sure um,
0: they're coming to town in oh, October. Really? Yeah.
1: okay I also saw Modest Mouse is coming to town, but they're opening for someone. Black Keys. How crazy is that? Uh, that like it comes where I mean the Black Keys are big too, but yeah. um, that Modest Mouse is opening. For yeah, them
0: now. that's I. Yeah. Have you seen them before?
1: Uh, I've seen the Black Keys. I haven't seen Modest Mouse. Oh, okay. Um, the Lonesome Crowded West this is my favorite. Album. Yeah, same. yeah, it's a great. Hard
0: yeah. Cook's Brain is like one of my favorite songs ever. Heck yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, how was so? You saw uh, Animal Collective on their Sung Tongs tour last year. Oh, yeah. What would you think?
1: It was interesting. We had some ambient music open up, which actually I wasn't into at the time. Uh, It was a very low-key ambient music, um, but it sparked my interest in Brian Eno. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. And um, Sung Tongs was very cool. I've never seen Animal Collective outside of that Performance, but based on crowds' reaction, I mean everyone was very into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was in an intimate space, yeah. so it was cool. I saw him out in DC. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Well, yeah.
0: I'm. Yeah, I ended up catching them in Chicago on that Sung Tongs tour, oh, and yeah. it was definitely like, I mean, Animal Collective shows are like a cult. You know, like, everyone is a super devoted fan.
1: Yeah. That's, yeah, another great thing about music is that yeah. you're able to find these exactly, niches. Yeah. I'm actually going to Ride Fest. Um, oh, I think I'm,
0: I'm going uh, Sunday. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'm going to see Ween.
1: No, I was just going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i going all three days, but uh, I'm definitely going for Ween. Um, also, oh. Flaming Lips are playing oh, yeah, Yoshimi right. all the way through.
0: Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. I'll probably see you there then. Yeah. Um. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. That's awesome. Uh. Yeah. yeah. I went to see Beck last year at Riot Fest, and that was good. Nice. Uh, this summer, I saw Deer Hunter in Chicago, and I saw King Gizzard, actually, about a month ago.
1: Uh, and Riverside,
0: it, yeah. Oh, okay. Deer. Yeah, I heard that show was really Oh, It was so. awesome, yeah. It was yeah. like two hours, so I was tired. Did you see anything this summer?
1: Um, I shout out 88.9. I won tickets to go see Beach House, so oh, cool. I was able to go see them, and then I saw Charlie Bliss once, um, mm. Divino Nino, which is a Chicago, uh, Latinx band, and then, um, Girl K opened for them, and oh, cool. I got pretty into them, they're put- awesome. well, they haven't announced it, but I think they're going to put out a new album, um, but yeah, I was able to see a lot of shows this summer, yeah, and, man. yeah, I'm excited for the fall, oh, but, tight. yeah,
0: fuck yeah, dude, um, yeah, same here. Um, I'm excited to see Brock Hampton when they come to town. Oh, finally.
1: I saw them last year in Atlanta and I've never sweated through a shirt. Um, oh, it's nice. definitely, yeah, my first time doing that. And oh, nice. the concert was very intense, but yeah, it was a dope show. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah.
0: Well, Dan, as we close out, um, what keeps you up at night?
1: Uh, people not voting, please get involved any way please you can. Please If you think your voice isn't being heard, tell someone, um, and they're more than likely going to connect you with people who are going to show like what's at stake. Um, Also like Milwaukee for Warren on Twitter uh, or follow MKE for Warren on Twitter, like Milwaukee for Warren on Facebook. Um, Slide in my DMs. If you want to get involved in the Warren campaign,
0: he's giving Um, you permission Slide in his DMs. Yes,
1: please slide in my DMs. Um, (laughs) They don't get slid in too often. So it would be a nice change of pace. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for having me on Ben. It's always good to see you.
0: What, what puts you to sleep though?
1: Oh, Last night, I fell asleep to Fear Fun, um, oh, yeah. side two, on um,
0: Father John Misty. Yeah,
1: but, uh, he's kind of changed, so... uh sure, yeah. yeah. Usually, ambient music makes nice. me fall asleep. Or some instrumental. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah.
0: Good stuff, yeah. man. Well, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, and thank you for the yerba, the yerba mate. I am jacked right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes, everything you said, vote. Yep. Uh Really, like, our voices count, and, uh... You know, it's now or never. Yeah. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.
1: On your way. Oh.
0: Mr. Nice Guy.